This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and with me again, Mr. Jared Mariyama. Hello, Jared. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's weird to be recording during the day. We don't we don't do this very often. It, yeah, this I think we did do it when we first started more often or frequently, but the last few months it's been almost exclusive, uh, exclusively nighttime records. Yeah. The mess in your house looks different by daylight. So. <laughs> it does. And I actually had to adjust the blinds behind me because it was there was yeah, light I coming through and it was uh, reflecting off of the monitor and stuff. But this is we mentioned in a previous episode that we had um, we're on iTunes and Stitcher now and a lot of the different ways you can listen to podcasts. But episodes one through 18, for some reason, weren't getting transferred over to iTunes. So we are going to revisit those early episodes and re-release them. So right now, we're recording a new intro for our um, episode we recorded back in June with Andrew Cole. Oh, gosh, was that June? Yeah, so that was something I wanted to bring up before we have you listen to the actual episodes, that all this stuff we're talking about is with a June timestamp. So we're talking about uh, a lot of it is Spider-Man and the release of the new Spider-Man. So, And there's some other things that kind of date us back to June. So just keep that in mind as you listen to it. There's a lot of good information mm-hmm. and it's fun uh, episode, but it is with, you know, the conversation did occur back in June. So just keep that in mind as you listen to it. Uh, Jared, you had a chance to actually re-listen to the episode too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. You know, I've followed Andrew for a long time, his work, uh, and then he was on the uh, M of One podcast quite a bit, so kind of right. get to know his personality a little bit from that. But just a fantastic guy. I mean, super talented artist, like crazy talented artist. So it was nice to be able to actually sit down and have like a conversation with him for the first time. It's weird that we're meeting these people through this for the first time as opposed to face to face. It's like... Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. like a strange feeling, but yeah, it was a good conversation with him. So I'm I'm happy to bring this back around so people can listen to it who maybe, you know, have just come to us from iTunes and, and haven't gone back to SoundCloud to look at the old uh, episodes. Yeah, um, you brought up Master of One, and I just wanted to give them another quick shout out. They've been really helpful and friendly to us, and it is we we talk about this in the episode, but he Master of One is kind of the reason that all of us have been brought together. So you and mm-hmm. I met through Master of One and then I met Kolb through there. So another quick shout out to Master of One um, and what Kolb does on the show, he talks about comics. And I thought this was a funny point he'd made in our episode. We talk, we go off on a tangent for a while about comics and mm-hmm. with the more recent episodes, it's funny that you know, you'll kind of take over the conversation and I just take the backseat because you'll go into animation. I don't know too much about that world, um, but we, in this one, we go off and really hit hard talking about co- the comic book world. And it's like, yep. it's the opposite where I take over the conversation and it's just comics for a while and Jared is left in the dust. Well, um. <laughs> he he really knows his comics. I mean, not right. so much, you know, we don't go deep into like, you know, DC Marvel too much like 
like he has a very wide range of comics taste knowledge I think, that yeah that's uh you know and i would probably read the stuff that he's recommended on here um mm-hmm. and that he does on m of one because it, it goes beyond the the normal superhero stuff which is kind of what i prefer i just yeah i, I don't know i just can't get into those superhero comics very much I did think that it was kind of cute that he is so freaking nice that it's like it's overboard how nice he is where he made it a point to talk about DC and Marvel like mm-hmm. equally. There was a point where he's like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite Marvel you know, comic series, but this is also DC, one of my favorites from DC, just to like level out the amount of recommendations he's giving on either side of that DC Marvel coin. <laughs> Well, that's um, the that's the Canadia in him coming out. Right. There. <laughs> very nice, very even. So this will be the last thing I, I talk about before we let you listen. Mm. Um, we, I thought it was a really I forgot that we actually went into kind of detail about that whole process and project. Yeah, but it's nice um, to hear Kolb's perspective on this from uh, you know the artist working towards this brand that has existed for so many years and how he kind of navigates keeping like staying true to himself and his own style while, you know, making squared co happy and Sinopolis and Marvel. So there's a lot of different people that he's working with Mm -hmm. um, within this project. And he's got a really good perspective on how to deal with all of these different people's input. Um, Well, I mean, he's very much a professional and I think, you know, that shows in his answers and, and, and uh, the measured way he responds to some of these questions, because it's easy to go off on, on certain things and complain and stuff. But he, you know, he takes all of it in stride. And, and like I said, he's a professional. I think that's why he's one of the reasons why he's so successful, uh, on top of just being obviously a great artist, but that yeah. he's able to uh, navigate these things and maneuver these things in a professional sort of adult way instead of sort of crying every time you get a revision. <laughs> Uh, like, and I think that like probably do, comes from, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably comes from teaching and on all of that as well. Like, but um, yeah, you can tell he would be just a dream to work with because because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there was no real issues when we were working with him on this mm-hmm. project and the Princess Bride one, too. It's like we would have an edit and he wouldn't complain about making changes. It wouldn't get offended by it. Um, he would offer you know, his own input and solutions to whatever problem we brought up. So mm-hmm. again, he's really a, a delight to work with. Um, and his work is always, is always great. So the last thing I know I said the last thing, yeah. the last thing. So at the end of this episode, Kolb jokingly asked us what our origin. So if we, <laughs> we talked a lot mm-hmm. about Marvel movies, but he asked Jared and I, if we had a Marvel cinematic universe movie origin story who would the actor be playing right, 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 right. i don't know who how to word it but yeah i know obviously who would we cast as ourselves in a marvel movie there you go like, that, that's right. a better way to say so it. we're picking actors here not saying oh i want to be thor or i want to be spider-man we're saying right if for some reason there was a movie about us who would we cast as ourselves these are terrible questions to ask each other because <laughs> it gets ugly and mean right away and, and maybe even slightly racist <laughs> so oh, i'm all for it let's do it i know i know so go, so i will let you start because you okay. were the one who wanted to do this i'll say so, so i'm gonna say who i would cast as you and then you're gonna say wait i'll say who i would cast as you and then who i'd right. cast as myself 
right, you right, right, do right. the same for me. Okay, okay so you so would yours, be you would yes. be this is the the joking answer, and then I'll give you the serious one. Uh, yes, so I know. This is I would have you watch. I would have you. Awful. <laughs> you would be played by Russell from Up. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> see how hard, see how difficult it is to pick an Asian actor. You have to go to a fictional Asian actor. Uh, no, okay, but the real one is um, George Takei. <laughs> <laughs> like I said. <laughs> This can only end in tears. Like, oh, that's the serious choice. Would you? Yeah. you would you rather be Russell? <laughs> Doesn't matter. All uh, offensive. Okay. And then okay. for yourself, I, let's hear it. You you already know. Well, let's hear how. Uh, let's see how uh, seriously you took this for yourself. I bet it won't be nearly <laughs> as comedic. Um, have you heard of Jason Momoa? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so when I did have long hair and a beard. I think just the fact that he also has long hair and a beard and mm-hmm. it's like yeah. scruffy yeah. or whatever. Oh, very, yeah, very generous. Very generous. <laughs> okay, your turn. Well, now bring, I want to be meaner. And me. so I had some things planned. Okay, so for me, I don't know. Like Russell from Up is a good choice, actually, probably just because there are so few Asian actors. Uh, I thought you were going to say something like, Jackie Chan or something or just you know <laughs> any, any Asian actor out there but he seems like he'd be appropriate for a Marvel movie right like Jackie Chan is a yeah I guess yeah but I mean you look at these movies and like when you see bio movies like these people never look like the actual people right like it's always an elevated right Hollywood version of this person so that's why I would pick that uh, or I would pick John Cho because I just like John Cho again not because I think we look the same or anything <laughs> like that but just because I like John Cho and uh, he should be working more than he is um let's see and then for you I would I was I knew it was going to be Jason Momoa whatever who is um uh, so if anyone doesn't know that's he's Aquaman in the upcoming uh Justice League Justice League and he was in uh, Game of Thrones um so I did think that because I knew you were going to say that. Otherwise, I would say uh, <laughs> Let's see uh, I'll here go with one. Uh, Will from Will and Grace. And uh, <laughs> they just have to sort of pump him up a little bit or sort of put a bodysuit on him or something because he's too skinny. Do I look like <laughs> him? Is that or we well, have similar I mean, personalities? Just dark. No, not similar personalities or something like that. Just uh, I know nothing about that show. So, OK, well, we I could just we could just <laughs> leave it at that. that. Because you'd have to be, if it was a movie, you'd have to be a villain. You look like a villain. I I, I've got too bushy and menacing of eyebrows to be a well, hero. Just everything. Yeah. You look too much like a villain. Yeah. Oh, so Thank you. You're welcome. But that's good. The villains so, are always more interesting. Would uh, Will Ferrell have been a less offensive choice for you? Uh, that would make no sense. That would make no sense. <laughs> if we're going to go that abstract, then there's a million other people. I remember we did this before, like in like years ago when I was like in the 90s or something. Or like we'd just play like who would play you in a movie? Not not right. a Marvel movie. but just a, And it was so funny because everyone picks these very like you. They pick these ego moves like, oh, hey, we're not a writer fault. or something like that. And then for me, they said, oh, John Lovitz. <laughs> <laughs> So I've I've never liked this game. Never uh, liked this game. So. so did you pick Winona Ryder for yourself? Yes, other was than that? other than <laughs> John Lovitz, I, I went with Winona Ryder. No, I'm just uh, saying people pick these like charming, flattering actors for themselves, and then you know, I very telling. Pick, I wouldn't have picked that Jason Momoa for myself. That just that's uh, 
I've heard it before. Okay. I thought you were going to say Ryan Gosling. Like I thought you were going to go that oh, abstract and be, that... because you love him so much. <laughs> no, that wouldn't make sense. He wouldn't play a good me either. He's too yeah. dreamy. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, Jason right. Momoa is dreamy too. I think that's why I think it's a funny choice. I don't know. To each their own. Whatever. Exactly. We're getting way off topic now. Right. So. so all right. Let's um, to it. Here we go back to episode number nine with Andrew Cole. Enjoy. Um, but before we get any further, I want to introduce somebody. We've got a guest on today. Super exciting. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure if you follow us or if you're listening to this, you already are familiar with this individual. His name is Andrew Kolb. Andrew, welcome to the Squared Co. Podcast. Hooray. Hi. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I was here the whole so, time. <laughs> I know. Just hiding. We, um, I wanted to actually start the conversation with you talking about another podcast. You sure. are no stranger to podcasting, if you will. Is that a thing? You're a regular, you have a regular segment on the Master of One podcast hey. called, I'll let you kind of describe your relationship with uh, oh, them and sure. what you do. And actually, we just recorded, we had kind of gone dark for a couple months uh, just based uh. on travel schedules and and life schedules. Um, mm. But yeah, on the Master of One podcast, I do a regularly uh, or hopefully monthly segment uh, called Calculated Comics with Kolb. Um, <laughs> and the basic structure of that is uh, I have kind of a grid uh, plotted with different comics um, and the guys uh, pick a number uh, and that matrix decides uh, what comic I talk about. So that way there's a little bit of randomness to it, um, but it, it still ends up being a comic that I enjoy and want to share with the world. So yeah, 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 that's it's totally, the basic format. It's such a fun uh, little segment that you do. I always look forward to it. And I always instantly look up the things that you mentioned. You know, they're um, they're great guys. And they gave us a little shout out on, on their show not too long ago. So we, oh, yeah. we have to thank Andrew, Luke, and Patrick for doing that for us. And we really appreciate it. Um, how, did, how did they find you? Because I found the Master of One podcast because I followed you. And then you had posted that you were on the podcast. This was... I don't know how many years ago now. But, yeah, um, definitely years. Yeah. Yeah. How did you uh, come to be involved with them? <laughs> I wish I I wish I had a better story. Um, <laughs> I think because because admittedly, like much of the internet, uh, I think the answer just is capital I internet. Like uh, <laughs> I, Andrew kind of reached out to say, um, "Hey, we're doing this podcast." I think they were maybe only thirty episodes deep at that. I, I say only, so they were thirty episodes deep at that point. So they'd done a few, um, but uh, I listened to a bunch of the podcasts, got a sense of what they were all about, uh, and then uh, was featured, uh, and then came back on again to promote uh, my first picture book, and then. Uh, yeah, the friendship just kind of grew outside of the episodes we recorded, uh, and it's just kind of been a, a, a tight friendship since then. That's so, cool. so the, yeah. the, the cool thing about, um, Master of One, I mean, beyond being a fun podcast, they started this Slack community, which is how the three of us kind of met each mm -hmm. other. So at least for me, I think I reached out to you, Andrew, in their Slack, their Slack channel. I sent you like a direct message to work on the Princess Bride poster right. that you did for Squared Co. a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And then I did the same thing for Jared to ask him to participate in some shows for us, too. Oh, cool. So it's they are uh, responsible for, at least on the Squared Co. side, 
getting involved with each of you. <laughs> Making this all happen. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, again, as Jared said, we want to give them a shout out. So if you haven't already discovered Master of One podcast, they're definitely worth worth a listen. Yeah, it's a, it's a great community um, and was my kind of inauguration into uh, Slack. Like as a freelance kind of working solo all the time, I <laughs> hadn't really had the need or been introduced to that platform until they got into it. Uh, and it was really kind of thrown into the deep end uh, <laughs> just because it's it's such an active community. I don't know what I but I say this. I don't know what other Slack communities are like. To me, it is a constant hum. I'm sure to others, it's super chill, uh, but it's been great. Yeah, it's a fun concept. I, I ha- I'm in part of a few Slack communities, if you will. Um, and they each have like their kind of their own structure and kind of tone and voice within the group. Yeah, I, I mean, guess, th- there used to be so many chat rooms before. Do you remember that back in the day? Like, that's, <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. Like, it's an extremely AIM. focused, like, chat room, you know? But yeah, like AIM, that's what it feels like because it's kind of 24 yeah. hours and, y- you know, but it's a little bit more, I guess, exclusive as to who's, you know, on a given channel. But like, just like Anderson, right. I-, I don't use it outside of uh, just a few cases so i really don't know how else it's used but that's what it always reminds me of um but moving past the slack world we being squared co again have worked with kolb and i think so this will be the official announcement that we have our first officially licensed product i worked with um andrew and the synopolis movie theater again to produce a it's not necessarily your traditional pint glass, but it's a glass feature featuring um, Andrew's work. So it is for the brand new Spider-Man movie coming out. But before we go into that whole project and the process, I want to talk a little bit about just Spider-Man in general and all of its t- different iterations. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I know that for me, at least, like my big introduction and interest into Spider-Man was the 90s Fox um, oh, cartoon yep, series. Same. Um, I don't know if Jared, are you a fan of Spider-Man at all? Uh, I am, but a very casual Spider-Man fan. Like I've seen the the older movies and then uh, the cartoon from like a long time ago, not the '90s cartoon, but uh, the, <laughs> you know where the original Spider-Man theme song came from. Yeah, that, yeah, sing it for us, please. No, I won't. But that was the one that I grew up <laughs> with, and I think they were really short. I don't even remember. I should try to find them and see if they're as good as I remember them. But that was my Spider-Man. So no, I don't. I don't have the '90s stuff. I mean, so for me, I loved the '90s cartoon. Like after school, I'd come home and watch it, and then Saturday morning they played them again. It was a really, f- I don't know. I watched a few of them as an adult. And I still think they're really fun and done really well. I mean, I don't know about the whole art direction style and like the animation might be a little bit crude, but as far as like the action and story is still pretty, pretty solid, I'd say. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, what would I say about it? It, I think (laughs) the 90s comic book TV shows were something I never really gravitated towards. Like, I think I always found the cartoon X-Men too, like too serious. Uh, and I think maybe 
the same with the Spider-Man show or cartoon, but because it was Spider-Man, I just kind of powered through it. Um, and <laughs> so were you a fan before the cartoon? I think so. It's strange. Cause I have like friends and family that have small, small children that I can't imagine them actually watching or seeing anything of Spider-Man, but just no Spider-Man. Like it's just mm. in, like, they're just born with it. Um, and I think that was me. Like, I think I just had always liked the big white eyes, the kind of mm-hmm. primary colors. There's just something about it that just to an infant uh, just screams, get interested in this. Uh, and that's that's what it was for me. So I was definitely a fan before the, the, the cartoon. But uh, I would say it wasn't until I got into comics in my like early 20s that I really kind of found the spider-man that i kind of like latch on to now are you a f- toy collector by chance or were you ever growing up uh yeah but i was uh this this also kind of mark my age i was the kind of ninja turtles boom um so those were my toys uh i think everybody but jared is it's, you know falls under that category okay. i think it's amazing how <laughs> turtles comes up every single episode i don't think we've had <laughs> one show yet where we haven't talked about turtles well, the, you know, the first ones, it was definitely me just kind of because it's something I love and it always comes up naturally in conversation for me. But now it's nice to have other people coming on and it still comes up. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Ninja Turtles is awesome. But for the Spider-Man show, another reason I like the cartoon is because at least for me, I really like the toys that went with that show. It was something that after like Ninja Turtles kind of died and went away, I think I replaced that with the Spider-Man 90s cartoon. Oh, okay. And then the toy collecting too. But um, if if that's not something you're into, let's let's just breeze right past <laughs> that and go uh, into the comic book world. Okay. So for me, yeah, like I said, it was the cartoon, then I got into the toys, and then for comic books, I was really into the ultimate spider-man i didn't really get into the traditional marvel comic book universe version but i read maybe the first like 20 trade paperbacks for the ultimate spider-man um the first version is if if you're a comic book geek or you follow spider-man at all you might know that there's a second iteration of the ultimate spider-man who is an african-american kid named miles Something Miles Morales. Yep. There you go. So, uh, what was your your first comic book introduction, or like the first comic book series that you fell in love yeah, with? Yeah, Spider Man. It was the same. Um, so I started with the Ultimate Spider Man series, um, and then once I had the internet and kind of realized that this was a resource, uh, I started looking up kind of like the best Spider Man comics to read, and uh, found a number of them. But always kind of found, I guess, what it is is I like the kind of happier quippier spider-man stories um yeah and i found most of the comics that were listed as the best ones were always the the serious ones um so quickly learned not to just trust (laughs) the internet um so started kind of looking up stories i did like and then finding people who'd mentioned it and then what they were also reading or what else they'd recommend so tried to get more into the uh some of the sillier or the kind of happier ones like a good example there are two uh two kind of one shots done by uh the late darwin cook one set at christmas and one set at valentine's day uh and they're just like 
happy, fun, full of jokes, kind of from all sides. Uh, and that's kind of the Spider-Man that I hold near and dear to my heart. What was it about the, um, the ultimate Spider-Man that kind of drew you into that world to begin with? For me, it was the really like just the the artwork for it was really bright and poppy and kind of cartoonish. It wasn't as uh, I guess serious or like gritty like some of the other oh sure yeah Spider-Man uh, comics. So at least for me, that's kind of what drew me in. And I guess another thing too, like so Spider-Man goes back to I don't know when he was first introduced the '60s maybe. So it can be like a bit overwhelming to try and jump in. Like I always felt like, well, I don't want to jump in the middle of a story arc or something. And there's no way I can read a backlog of like 600 issues. So for the ultimate Spider-Man, it came out, I think, either the late 90s or early 2000s when you could pick up from the beginning and start fresh with this whole new story. So all of that was kind of what led me to start down that path and then the fact that the artwork was so likable just made it even easier for me to follow along yeah i mean i was the same i mean this is probably marvel's dream uh (laughs) to hear (laughs) two people say yeah like it started with number one and that's where we jumped on but that really was what it was like i i think i just found the back catalog too overwhelming and i think i find this with most media like uh i was too late to breaking bad i was too late to lost like it was already (laughs) a couple seasons deep where i went all right i like missed the i also feel that way about you too like there are just too many albums out that i can't do it (laughs) um and just recognize it's i i like i just i missed that boat um so i felt the same way like this was uh, this was the start of something. Um, I think there had already been enough out that I was collecting the like hardcovers that uh, collected two trades, which I also yeah. loved, where I could just get a complete story in a kind of tidy package. Um, so that was that was it for me as far as the comics were concerned. So what do you play? Oh, v- okay. v- oh nope, not your turn yet. Oh, Jared. sorry, sorry. <laughs> do you play uh video games at all uh occasionally occasionally um, so yeah did, did you play the ultimate spider-man video game that came out no what systems were the, so was it, on? it this was for i think the original xbox but i played it on the ps2 oh, okay um i think whatever that era of video games was so it, it was probably gamecube right ps2 and then the original xbox but it was literally a video game version of the ultimate spider-man comic book oh cool so it was it was really fun and it stayed pretty true to the comics i mean obviously there's never going to be a, a like 100 percent transition as far as story and characters and all that but it was pretty pretty accurate and made it for a really fun um i don't know video game time just a good experience <laughs> just a good user experience there you go okay jared jared you can have a turn i can have okay very good no i was just wondering what uh andrew was like uh, what got you into comics in general like i look at your work i don't see a huge uh comic influence though i'm sure it's there to some degree but a lot of times people who are uh, so influenced by comics at an early age that tends to you know really dominate their style and stuff so like was there something like, did you start with superhero comics or did you start with something else? Yeah. And I think, well, I think part of it was that I, I, it wasn't as early as maybe some people like, so quick question, Mark, when did you start reading comics? You know, I tried when I was really young, but 
it, it didn't stick with me until I was in junior high. Oh, okay. Mm. So still, so still like teens, right? Formidable years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh. I think I was probably like 12 or 13 before I started going to the comic book shop semi regularly. Okay. And Jared, are you much into comics? No, never got into oh. comics. I got into a little bit of the indie stuff later on, but not, not as a kid. Gotcha. So, and I'm, so I'm the same as you in that, like, I didn't really start getting into comics until my early twenties. Mm. Um, so I think, so those kind of formative years or the, the lack of influence of comics on my artwork is probably just because it came too late. Like I was uh-huh. already too fully formed as a human. <laughs> um, so while I obviously still love it and love the artistry of it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's maybe why you don't see much of it in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because I came to it, uh, too late. Uh, and to, so to your question of wh- how I got into it, it was superheroes, but I, I don't know. I think what, I had always loved the idea of comics, but was always intimidated as a child to go in, um, <laughs> to know where to start. Uh, and, and not that I had a bad experience, but never just really felt, uh, maybe this is the opposite. Marvel would be terrified to hear this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just felt uh, that I wasn't really supposed to be there. Um, so <laughs> I, I didn't really get into comics until uh, Amazon came around where I could just uh, do a bit of research and buy online. And then started with superhero comics. So started with Ultimate Spider-Man and Batman Year One. Um, oh, just to yeah, e- e- equally respect DC and Marvel. Um, and have since <laughs> branched out now that I've kind of done my uh, kind of superhero marathon. So, yeah, that's kind of where I started. Uh, and it wasn't until, yeah, early 20s. So what are do you follow any like monthly now or, or is there a series where you get every trade paperback or, you know, you're following the entire series or do you kind of stick to just the. I ch- yeah, I try to dabble in a little of everything like I'm going to like I went through all of Hellboy Um mm. I so I I guess I don't pull monthlies. Um, maybe because uh, on the few occasions that I did, I got burned, um, where series <laughs> got canceled or uh, something changed. But um, I think because I'm a, a big on story, I like to have that whole experience um, in one tidy package. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So I tend to, to tend to kind of run series if they've already been collected in trades. So. Hellboy. I'm going through Saga now. Um, what else? The ninja, the new IDW Ninja Turtles. I really like. Wow. So. What are some like non superhero or like action crime fighty kind of books um, that you're into? Ooh. Uh, okay. Great. This I know you. So you said Saga. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm familiar with that. I actually have the first trade, but I haven't made the jump to actually open it, but I have it. Oh, well, I, I, I can, I can tell because I feel like once you do open it, then you would have more than one. Like it would just keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what happened? Um, that happened to me was with, uh, why the last man? I'm sure you read. That no, I haven't. Series. That's on my list. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I, <laughs> I loved it. That was one that, yeah, as soon as I opened, I think at the time it was like maybe four trades deep. And then, I caught up to when the trades were being released and bought every single one after that until it ended. But anyways, uh, yeah, which ones, which non-superhero crime fighter comics are you into? So I'm just looking it up because I don't remember their name. Yes, there it is. So <laughs> peek behind the curtain. I'm on the computer. <laughs> um, so 
there's a, a team or a, a, an author uh, duo uh, that uh, has done a couple of different comics. One of them is called, oh, I guess the, the duo, um, it's French, so forgive me. Uh, and I've talked about this on Master of One, but uh, Kerascoet, um, so K-E-R-A-S-C-O-E-T. Um, and you know they're classy because they're umlauts above the E. Um, <laughs> but they have a couple of different comics. Um, I guess it's not a monthly. Uh, they're all graphic novels. Um, but one's called Beauty. Uh, one's called Beautiful Darkness. Uh, there's another one called Miss Don't Touch Me. And uh, they are, I think, in the vein of kind of Over the Garden Wall or... Um, oh, love it. One of them is, is kind of, I would say, closer to Game of Thrones in that there's a lot of heavy politics and murder. Um, but it's with a really genial style. Um so that is one kind of artist or team of artists that I've followed through all of their works, um, just because I know the content is going to be consistently great. That one looks really good. That looks like something I could read because it, I don't know, I get kind of tired of how a lot of the comics look the same. I know that's an oh, old complaint, but um, like that's why <laughs> I never got into the, the superhero stuff because it, it, everything looks so similar to me. So I liked the covers. But then once I opened it, I'm like, well, this just looks like the last one they did. Um, so I Fair. like these. That's why I like the um, the independent stuff and things that take sort of a different different take on it. Um, but yeah, yeah, this one I remember you mentioned this on the on the end of one, and I did look this one up right away. So I think I think that's the key. Is like you need someone to sort of guide you through it, like someone like you who knows comics well that can say, oh, well, if you like this, you'll like this one. And oh, great! Because it's uh, over. It's overwhelming. I think otherwise. Yes, completely agree. Um, but the the beautiful thing of it is once you kind of break in or like if you find someone who is willing to spend the time to kind of ask those questions and direct you, mm-hmm. uh, then you can quickly find, at least once you find that starting point, um, the, uh, then you can kind of branch out from there because then you know I at least like this writer and this mm-hmm. artist and then they do different projects and then that finds you new things too. So this is also my PSA or my kind of open call <laughs> that if anybody's looking to get recommendations for comics, t- tweet at me, message me, whatever you need. Um, I will Uh-oh. be happy to direct you. Yeah. I always feel really bad when artists offer something like that because now you're going to get flooded with all these uh, requests. Well, he does a, to, uh, give them recommendations. His, he does a thing on his blog, right, Andrew, where you do this yep. sort of media recap for a month or something. Yep. The That's fantastic. I think that that goes a long way we should just promote that because uh that that at least gives you uh you know enough to get through the month right and then right. <laughs> you can come back for more but yeah my my taste in comics have always been kind of emo like uh, uh like dan Klaus <laughs> and uh, chris ware and things like that okay so it tends to be very storied non-superhero kind of uh you know um personal stories things like that I think okay like. so yeah well so if you're uh, this is an unsolicited recommendation um <laughs> in the vein of that or like if you like the incredibles for the kind of breakdown of what it means to be a superhero then i'd recommend and i admittedly this has also been on m of one um <laughs> i promise i've read more comics than what i'm going to talk about um but the umbrella academy so the umbrella academy oh was God, a, another that, good one i love that series and the artwork in that is incredible. Yeah. Um, Gabriel Ba. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying yep. his name right, but it's fantastic. Uh, and uh, like, I mean, this is a nerdy fun fact, but I was really impressed by this. So it's the singer of My Chemical Romance. Actually, not only did he write the comic 
and but he created all the characters and not just like what they can do and their backstory but he sketched out what all of them would look like right and they were his sketches are pretty impressive like i was um first interested in the comic just because of the art and then when i found out about the creator being the my chemical romance singer i was kind of more hesitant and didn't think it would be that good but it ended up being and probably still is one of my favorite um comic book series or stories if you will yeah it's always fun to find a renaissance person like that where you're like oh i just kind of assumed this was your skill and then yeah I, it's, it's 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 equal parts inspiring to me and also just kind of disappointing like oh man i could maybe i could start a band then like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> do i have it in me <laughs> Uh, okay, but getting back onto our oh, Spider-Man <laughs> t- topic, yeah, um, and trying to get Jared a little bit more involved, let's um, mm. go jump into the movie side. So, Great. like the X-Men and Spider-Man kind of turn of the century movies is where superhero movies kind of go into t- like more modern times and actually start becoming good. Mm. I don't know how you feel about the original Spider-Man movies, but I thought the first one was good. And then it kind of goes downhill once you hit the third one. But uh, were you a fan of that, the original Spider-Man trilogy? Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to uh, <laughs> kind of be negative as much as I say I love Spider-Man. <laughs> I think I've I've liked all the Spider-Mans, um, some more than others. Uh, but I've always kind of found that they there's always something great that I love about them, but there's always, and, and, and it's different each time. Um, so I really liked kind of Toby Maguire's portrayal and I liked kind of Sam Raimi's direction, but then with the Mark Webb stuff, I liked the kind of more kind of human side of things. And, and I also liked the portrayal of Spider-Man, the like superhero better. Um, so I guess I've liked them all, but I don't think I, I walked away from one saying this, this is it. This is like the Spider-Man movie. I will show the next generation <laughs> when I sit down and tell them how great things used to be. You know, it, Jared, I heard you groan during that. Well, first let me say in can in Canada, that's a scathing review. He just gave. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <Yeah>. It is. <laughs> Uh, I, I liked the first one. Second one was okay. Third one, it seems like everybody was bored, right? Like, let's just have a musical number in the middle of this thing. And like, like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I kind of lost interest by the third one too. And, you know, I I don't know the characters enough and the history of the characters to be sort of upset by what they did or, or how they treated other characters in that. But, um, I did see them all and I saw the first Andrew Garfield one, but I didn't, I don't, was there two? Wasn't there two of those? There was. Yeah, there was two. And the, the interesting thing is, and this could take us down a whole nother topic. They really left that open ended. The second one, like they were either at least going to have one more and make it a trilogy or mm. even open it up to a bigger Spider-Man universe. Cause I've read online articles saying that that was the start of like, um, a sinister sticks, spinoff and they're going to do all this other stuff with that Andrew Garfield spider universe. Mm. But it, I guess it did not perform very well and people were upset. So it's a bizarre thing. And that's not the only movie that's done it where they leave it really open ended 
and it just never they never returned to finish that story yeah my whole thing has always been and this is some real kind of armchair writing and also i'm sure opinions that have been shared hundreds of times before um but i'm always of the opinion of just tell the story now like uh and this is also for my yeah. this is for my time as a dungeon master like playing D. <laughs> if i always try to say "Ooh, i'll save that for later then it never it never happens or mm-hmm. you, it just doesn't have the impact you want it to so you have to just get it out there like if you have a story to tell tell it tell it now and everything else will work itself out later because i think so jared to what you were saying about those kind of later movies it really felt like the uh the studio tendrils kind of were creeping in more and more mm-hmm. um and in that we kind of lost the kind of uh art di- the director in mm-hmm. that so how do you f- how do you feel about the um like all these marvel the new marvel cinematic universe is super open-ended and they always leave like sort of a stinger at the end of all these movies where it's it's definitely open-ended i mean there's definitely a story that's told there but it's never like tightly wrapped i guess i've been worried for i think maybe since the avengers that the movies are going to go the way of the comics uh like so the reason why i didn't go into the comic book shop as a kid uh was because i thought it was too there was too much and i didn't know where to start like I, i i and i don't know i can't speak to children now who haven't been watching the movies from the beginning or don't keep track or if it even matters in a film form but i'm worried it's just going to become too convoluted and then it, it it doesn't kind of hold up on its own anymore. Mm. Um, like, Do you think these movies, like you can watch them, just pick any one. I think there's like 15 or 16 Marvel movies that exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you think you can pick one up like in the middle and enjoy it for what it is? Or do you have to be at least like somewhat familiar with the whole big picture. So I think if you looked at any kind of like top list of these are the best Marvel movies, I would say the ones that are on those lists are the ones that answer yes, that you could just pick it up and go. Like you can watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy having never seen anything else uh, mm. and and know what the story is. I would even say that with uh, Winter Soldier, as much as it kind of relies on the first one, I think it does still tell its own story. Yeah, I think the strongest ones don't rely on kind of that kind of intertextuality. What's your favorite one so far? Ooh, great question. Uh, I'm going to think about it. That's Jared, what's Jared, your oh, you think about that's, it? That's, do, you, do you have it? No, I, I haven't. Jared? I haven't even seen all the movies in that. I think there's 180 well, movies, right, that they've come out <laughs> with now? I think I've seen like five. So while you guys th- mo- think it over, I will say that Winter Soldier, the second Captain America installment is by far my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think that one, why I like it so much is that it was written kind of like a, like a James Bond or spy kind of thriller, which is always a fun movie. And then you just throw in the fact that everybody's a superhero and it makes it like even cooler. So for me, that's definitely my favorite. Um, again, I think with all these superhero movies, there's like an element of cheesiness you've got to kind of overlook. But by far, I think that that is my number one. Do you guys have an, an answer yet? Yeah, I think my... Oh, go ahead, Jared. No, no, no. I was going to say I don't. So go go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I So I'm going to cheat and say, like, I mean, uh, if I still had to pick my favorite superhero movie, it's still going to be The Incredibles. Uh like a, 
as as kind of blasphemous as that might be. No, they're all into the same house now, so I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> I would say I would say the Incredibles still just kind of told the best, yeah, the best kind of story um, that I've experienced from my opinion. Like I think I can still resonate with all of the characters on every level. The like the whole thing with Marvel has always kind of been their bad guys. I would say the Incredibles the like uh, has that covered. Like it's I don't know. It's just it's beautiful. It tells a good story. It also is like a good superhero story, like a lot of fun use of powers. I don't know. That's just, I, that's my opinion. Mm. Oh, that's a good, well, I that, thought, that's an, I thought we were that's picking That's a nice answer, but we're Marvel. supposed to pick from Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fine. I mean, follow directions. I, I would go for that. We can talk about the Incredibles if you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you got that uh, favorite Marvel movie yet, gentlemen? Uh, <laughs> or if you want, you can just say hard pass and we'll forget I ever asked. I will. Well, let's see. I need to look up what the Marvel movies are. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm inevitably forgetting some of them. I liked Ant-Man. How excited are you? <laughs> okay, there you go. Jared's I'll, favorite Marvel movie of with, all time is Ant-Man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay, let's. So uh, for like the Ant Man, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and the Doctor Strange, I really liked those because those are characters and stories that were not as popular as comic book characters. So for me, at least, it was like my first introduction into these these specific characters, like the lesser known ones. Um, I think through my love of Spider Man and the cartoon, I got exposed a little bit to Doctor Strange and some of the other Marvel cartoons, like Ant Man. Um, and then maybe some of like the larger Marvel comic book, you know, like crossover stories they had. I was somewhat familiar with all the characters, but this was the first like actual story featuring these specific characters that I was really introduced to. Mm. So it's a f- and they were all fun. So I like that they're starting to kind of shy away from just the the heavy hitting names from the Marvel catalog, if you will, um, because the, all their movies, at least in my opinion, have been fun. Not all of them are, you know, extraordinary, but it's it's a cool way to be exposed to new new stories and new characters. Yeah, I think that's the whole point, right? Isn't it like so? If you have these tentpole films, and then you can bring in these smaller characters, and everyone will see it because it's part of the the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've stalled, I think, long enough for Andrew to come up with a. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. I'm really scrolling. Okay, so here's here's my my knee jerk reaction is still um, the Winter Soldier. Mm. Um, I think just because and kind of some of the influences that you were talking about, Mark, with uh, just kind of the spy kind of angle. I think it's. I, I don't think I liked it because it was so grounded, but I think it it worked to be that like for that story to be grounded in that way. Um, yeah. so I think that would, will be, I think that's also the one that I go back to the most. Um, if I'm, if I'm inclined to watch a superhero movie. <laughs> so before we jump back into Spider-Man, I, I want to see what you guys think of the, uh, Avengers, the next Avengers of infinity wars, okay. or infinity gauntlet. What do you, th- for me? So I'll start with my opinion. It's, I'm obviously excited to see it because this is what the last 10 years of these movies has been like building up towards. Mm. But for me, I think they said there's going to be like over 60 or 70 Marvel characters in it. (laughs) And that's just like ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, with that many, that means that there's going to be some characters that are going to get like 
one or two minutes of screen time or they're going to have like 50 of them on screen at once. I don't know how they can have that many characters on, you know, in a two plus hour movie that and like still tell a really solid story. So that's I'm I'm excited to see it. But that's kind of my one bit that I'm a little bit hesitant and kind of nervous for. Yeah, like I think Civil War was probably the closest like touchstone for that like I, I i guess i already know most if not all of these characters the ones that we didn't already know were introduced well um so i think it'll just kind of be bro- i think it'll be broad strokes right like it's not like they're going to get into the nuance of the relationship between captain america and peter parker in mm-hmm. uh infinity gauntlet infinity stone war infinity war thank you <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah i think that's i yeah i'm I'm not worried. Um, Like, I'm sure it'll work. Um, But uh, I think it'll just be a a very different experience because of the nature of the movie. Jared, what do you think? Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, I don't really know much about, like, I don't know if this is, uh, you know, an existing story. It sounds like everyone's sort of alluding to hints of an existing story uh, in the comic book. So I have known nothing about that, but they do keep talking about this as it's going to be a game changer and it's going to change the direction of the films uh, moving forward. So interesting. I, I, okay. Yeah. I'm curious to, to know what that means. Like, do you think, would you like me to tell you what I think it means? Well, let me ask you this. Like, <laughs> will, will this current cast start dropping off? Like, would that make sense with it? Or is it, that these guys will always be here through all these movies. Yeah, we, Mark, this sounds like it segues two. into your to your theory. <laughs> well, so I think that they're starting to gamble more. So that you know, a couple years ago they did the Gardens of the Galaxy to see if they can get away with a little bit more or less serious characters and kind of expand your belief into superheroes in space. Mm. Uh, and obviously that did really well. They had a sequel that did really well. Mm. Um, whether you like them or not, you know, they're going to make more. And I think that was their attempt to kind of test the waters. So once Infinity Wars happens, it's going to bring the Guardians war- Marvel world and the su- the uh, space superheroes, if you will, together with the Earth superheroes to fight Thanos. And I think after that, I don't know how it's going to end, but it's going to shift focus from Earth superheroes to the extended space Marvel universe, if you will. So like the first 10 years, which focused on earth superheroes and then maybe the next uh, iteration is going to be, or the next 10 years will be more space based superheroes. Cause I know they're going to have Marvel, Miss Marvel, okay. uh, Brie Larson is going to be Miss Marvel mm. and she's a space superhero. And I think they're going to start doing stuff with the Nova Corps, which is, John C. Riley's character. It's is like the uh, okay, yeah, like the space cops. The, the, yeah, space cops. So I'm not 100 percent sure. That's just kind of my I don't know my guess on what's going to happen, and it's going to shift over to that. But to answer your question, Jared, if characters are going to start dropping off, um, I think in the next Avengers movie, some significant deaths will happen. Mm. I don't know which characters will die. I thought that in Civil War, either Captain America or Iron Man were going to die because in Civil War, the comic book, Captain America actually dies. And I thought the spin in the the movie version was going to be that 
uh, Iron Man dies. So mm. that was it, obviously no one died in that, but I think something more traumatic uh, will happen in the next Avengers movie. I don't know what, but so, so know, that's kind of my long, super long answer. Andrew, do you have a theory about the next film? No, not particularly. Uh, only because well, I don't know. I don't watch trailers, and I <laughs> don't really kind of keep up with it. Like I, I, I try to go into these movies as as mm-hmm. blank as possible because I also find it helps me see the movie for that individual experience like is this a story on its own so that's yeah we'll see i tried to do that with uh the star wars movies so Mm. for for episode seven i only saw the t the first teaser trailer um that they aired like a year before and I never watched any of the full-length trailers, none of the like TV spots, nothing online. If I went to a movie and I saw like the first three seconds of the trailer, I would literally run out of the theater oh so I wouldn't watch it. Okay. And it it was the best decision of my life. That movie was <laughs> so much more enjoyable. Um, and I'm doing the same thing for The Last Jedi. Like anytime I see it, like an article online i won't click on it if i see like a youtube link going to the trailer i won't click on it same thing in the movie theater like you haven't watched the trailer no oh my gosh and one of my friends who is the super star wars fan and like he knows more about it than anyone i know Mm. and he's one of the crazy people that'll like read all these blogs and get really deep into um, like spoilers and stuff before the movie comes out. Yeah. He already ruined something big. I won't say what it is, but he ruined something in the rest of these movies. And I was so fucking pissed when he said this. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to not like to have the less, the least amount of information going into these Star Wars movies because, like Cole was saying, I think it makes for a much more enjoyable viewing and like you can go into it fresh like you don't know what to expect at all Uh, yeah i know i i try every time Uh, star wars is is particularly bad for me like i'll I'll try to do that and be like i want to be surprised and it's like drugs like i can't help it i find myself clicking on these articles that i don't want to read and then i and then i read them and i look (laughs) at the stills and these you know shots i'm just like your friend i'll i'll track down just about every uh, little little article I can I there hasn't been as much for the last Jedi as there was for the Force Awakens but um, I'm trying to be a little bit better so it's making it easier but we'll see as we get closer I think after this summer and after D23 we're gonna start seeing a lot more a lot more stuff popping up but are you even a Star Wars fan Andrew? Uh, I am <laughs> I think I think the trick of it though is that I I seem to be like enthusiastic while it's happening uh, and then. <laughs> That before it or after it, I just uh, like mo- I don't want to say move on. That seems too cold. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I guess I've, I just don't dump a lot of energy into the lead up or the cool mm-hmm. down. Yeah, yeah. Um, for good or ill, I, I'm not sure. But that's kind of my experience with this. <laughs> so, so, I'm Jared. Before um, the Force Awakens, did you do all that? clicking around and reading all the articles i went to on, um, i went to see gone girl just because i wanted to see that preview trailer play in the theaters that's <laughs> wow how bad did you I wanted to see the trailer but did you i mean like as f- beyond the trailers yes, like everything did you, theories about did you, the story did you have spoilers going like 
Did you know stuff that was big spoilers before you saw it? Well, with Star Wars, it's like it almost goes so far the other way. Like it, it almost doesn't spoil it because there's so much speculation out there that it just gets lost in the jumble. So I don't oh, know. Yeah. There were there were probably fragments of things that that you heard about, but nothing that when I watched it, I was like, "Ooh, I already knew that was coming." I mean, <laughs> they talked about uh-huh. Han Solo and things like that, and everyone was kind of guessing that some of this stuff was going to happen. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think there wasn't anything actually that I came across that I was uh, really upset once I saw the film. Is that is that a kitty cat? Did I oh, yes. Cat? I apologize. My cat, is, <laughs> who was asleep, has decided to walk into the room and announce his presence. See, so I'm sorry if that's uh, been going for a while. I've tried to. Well, your cat is somewhat him. famous, yeah. right? Uh, doesn't he have his own Instagram? Oh, yes, he does, actually. So this is my shameless plug for Cat is Neat. Um, <laughs> there you go. What you're hearing is the star of that account, uh, Fred, my 14-year-old cat. 14 years oh, old, man. wow. He is, yes. I've only had him for two years, um, mm-hmm. or I guess a year. I, I got him uh, last year. There you go. If you if you aren't already following, go ahead and give uh, Fred a follow at yeah. Cat is Neat. Yeah, he's currently so, playing with my plug that's plugged into my computer so all right this could be problematic oh, <laughs> living dangerously here i like it i know so before i know uh andrew you are in a different time zone and is much later there for you than it is for us but <laughs> it's saturday so it's technically wanna, saturday in canada right now you're not wrong <laughs> and it's much colder I, I want to you know be aware of your time and try and wrap this up but i want before we go i want to jump into the last collab uh, project that you did with Squared Co., which was the Spider-Man glass. Oh, yeah. Um, so before we specifically talk about the, the glass, do you ha- what are your like thoughts and expectations for this movie? Spider-Man Homecoming, are you excited for it? Do you think it'll be better, worse than the previous Spider-Man movies? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm assuming... <laughs> I think what I assume is that it will kind of check all the boxes and do it like... 80 per- I think what it will do is it will meet all my expectations. Um, I think what I liked about the other movies was they kind of like fell short in some spots, but really surprised me in others. So I don't know. I like I, I, I expect to leave the movie being satisfied, but maybe not being surprised by anything. Um, maybe that sounds too old That's and fair. jaded, but uh, I think what I think what it is is I think Marvel's found a good uh, rhythm, uh, and mm. especially with this character, yeah. I, I don't see them kind of stretching away or kind of testing their limits with it. So yeah, yeah. We'll see. And this is an interesting one because, you know, I talked about Marvel having like this grand plan for all their movies. And a few years ago, they announced what like the next five years would be or something like that. Oh, right. So they had... You know, at the time, Civil War hadn't come out, so that was on the the slate. Um, Black Panther was on there and all these other movies that will be coming out. Uh, Spider-Man was not there. So they had to get the rights with Sony to or get the movie rights back from Sony to have Spider-Man exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they had to like squeeze in this movie into their existing schedule and shift things around. So... That's the only reason that I'm a little bit, I don't know if worried's the right word, but I don't, like, a little hesitant to totally jump on board with this movie. It's just the fact that they had, they didn't have as much time, I think, to work on it, and they kind of had to shift things around to make this work. 
So, again, like you said, I think Marvel has kind of found a good rhythm to make fun movies. So I think I'll definitely enjoy it, but I don't know if it will you know, be the Spider-Man movie. But um, this is kind of a reboot, yeah. right? Isn't this to sort of establish the new universe apart from those other uh, earlier right. films? So it feels like, will it be his sort of origin story again? No, I think... Looks all, like it. I, they, mu- they might have like flashbacks on it, but I don't know. For me, looking at the previews, there's like no origin story really in it other than... I mean, we're not going to see him get bit by the spider. We're not going to see his uncle die. You don't like, think we will? Place. You don't think we'll see the spider bite? I I think we'll see a flashback to it. Quickly. I don't. We yeah, they're you're probably right, and they'll have a flashback. But for me, it's like if we already know. I don't know. I would rather see those like five to ten minutes spent elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Batman's parents dying, right? Like it, it seems like you yeah. can't have a Batman film without at least showing that in some sort. But, but that was the beauty of the Adam West series was yeah. I don't think they ever mentioned it. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. The series is probably the one exception. Um, <laughs> but uh, like the Spider-Man, this one, at least he looks appropriately young, I think. He looks extremely young, doesn't he? Like he's probably yes, the youngest Spider-Man they've had in these films because Tobey Maguire was pretty old to be playing a he's, high school he kid. He was probably in his 30s for the first one. <laughs> sure. Playing like a 17-year-old kid. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Tom Holland, and I know you posted something recently kind of saying he looks like the youngest, like a 12-year-old or something. And he, he does look young, but actually I don't know how old he is. He's adorable. Uh, yeah, I think he might be 20. Actually. I think he, yeah, I think he's an adult. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I think it works. I mean, yeah, I definitely think he looks the most age-appropriate. And, you know, I'm... As much as I maybe said I was worried, I th- I'm definitely excited to see this one. Um, I I have, I don't know if I say high hopes, but I think it'll be fun. I'm just, I'm curious to see if, you know, the quick turnaround time affected any uh, aspects of the movie. Well, you saying that is interesting because I think... Uh not to intentionally bring it back to like work, but I <laughs> find sometimes those limiting parameters or that kind of small Mm. box to work within occasionally produces uh really kind of interesting work because of those restrictions so maybe that'll be the case maybe that limitation will be the 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 same or will get the same results see that well the other interesting approach i like it (laughs) i know you just you can't avoid it um (laughs) but the other interesting thing is that the fact that sony and columbia own I think they still own the rights. They just like leased it back to Marvel right. for these movies. So I'm, I think that there's more people that need to sign off on it. And I don't know if that's going to hurt or help the overall um, movie or, you know, I don't know the logistics behind all that, but it, it would be, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. All this crazy kind of political stuff that goes into making a superhero movie. Yeah. And this, the speculation is tricky because so much is happening behind the closed doors that is so far beyond the reach of what we could, I'm sure even imagine, I'm sure there's negotiations on elements that I've never considered in a hundred years. Um, so yeah, who knows what comes of that uh, so, and what that means in the bottom line. Is this a, is this a considered a Sony release or is this a, a Disney no, Marvel thing? Well, 
It's a Marvel thing, but I know on all the posters, there's like a Sony Columbia logo on the bottom. And from reading articles, they still own yeah. the the rights. Um, they're just leasing it. So, I mean, I don't know much beyond that, but I know that they still have their hand in the mix somehow. Yeah, no, I think it is. And, and they it's like they have to use it uh, so often in order to keep renewing it or something like that. I had read about the, the agreement. So basically they're doing these just so that they can get him into these Avengers films. Is that probably the case? That's uh, Well, that's what Marvel wants. I mean, because Spider-Man is probably one of the most yeah. popular superheroes around. I mean, Kolb said he... You know, he was born with it in his brain. So it's mm-hmm. it makes sense f- for everybody to kind of fight over it. And the only reason that Sony probably was willing to lease it out is the fact that they weren't able to produce, mm-hmm. you know, a really successful um, franchise with the character. Uh, Tom, Tom um, Holland is 21. He was born in okay. 1996. Gross. Gotcha. So I remember 1996. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, now we can jump into this project kind of. And it's kind of it's difficult for me to kind of narrate this because I lived it with you, Kolb. So, Jared, why don't you kind of as an outsider kind of throw in your perspective and the questions that you would, I don't know, ask not knowing much about this whole process. Well, I mean, we talked about a little bit about how his style uh, isn't a comic book like when you first look at it, it's not like a comic book thing. So, was mm-hmm. that at all intimidating, Andrew, to take on such an iconic, uh, like comic book character? Like, how did you come up with how you were going to present this? Uh, yeah, I would say that that's usually my hardest part with working with licensed projects, um, mm-hmm. because ninety nine percent of the time, my, my work skews more genial or um, <laughs> pushing the forms of the characters a little further than maybe most licensors would be comfortable with, mm-hmm. which I mean, to my benefit or not, who knows? Uh, but I, yes. So to your question, I think that's uh, something that I usually kind of have to grapple with whenever a market comes to me with a project is, okay, how am I respectful of the material, but also trying to do something that, is interesting um, mm-hmm. for someone looking at it. Whether or not I achieve that, I guess, is for everyone else to decide. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fun to kind of take on that challenge too, uh, yeah. Because it's such a different, it's such a different headspace to be in. Because you're not just satisfying your own kind of creative needs; you're also satisfying the needs of Sinopolis and right. the licensors and Mark directing it and saying, "I I want to be proud of this too," which mm-hmm. is completely fair. So there's yeah, other other opinions to consider. It's, it becomes a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something um, that would make it more difficult for you too. So I mean, you kind of hit all the heads in that description there but like so i was like your first hurdle if you will but (laughs) so you know i was giving you art direction on uh, how i thought we should present this and then i have to give it to sinopolis and they come back with feedback and then you know we tweak it a little bit more and then when they sign it off then we send it to marvel so it's like it's a lot of back and forth before it even sees the licensor. Um, and then at that point, there's even more criticisms and feedback and revisions. So, yeah, I mean, were you, is this something that you were, I don't know if nervous is the right word or like, how did you feel knowing that like there's all these different hurdles that you're going to have to, I don't know, be aware of and kind of 
keep into consideration as you're doing this work? Um, I guess, so I've worked with a couple of licensed projects like this uh, before. Obviously, each one is, is unique. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've, I've learned to be or is consistent with all the experiences uh, is to not be precious uh, with anything that I do um, because I know it will either change or um, evolve in a way that um, it rarely stays as it uh, starts off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's my kind of big thing is saying, okay, I have these ideas, uh, but they are, these are this, like, these are only going to grow and evolve. So staying open-minded, I think is, is the thing that I've learned has, or the thing that has helped me the most, um, in a collaboration like this. So, um, Andrew, like yeah. that's a, that's a pretty big thing to do uh, as a creative right like i don't think that's an easy thing i don't think it ever becomes sort of an easy thing to do but like how do you find that you do uh sort of arrive at that is it like you're angry at first and then you sort of remind yourself that this is a you know (laughs) like it's a lot of chefs in the kitchen kind of thing or or are you at a point in your career where you just know like yep this is you know like i know going into this there's going to be a lot of misdirection um, and, and so you're prepared for it. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? Cause I think a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, yeah, I, so I know I would say that I've gone through every phase <laughs> and mm-hmm. every emotion at some point in my career or with a licensed project like this. Right. Um, I think the big thing that whether it's this or a, a logo for a mom and pop shop, I mm-hmm. think with any feedback, I really try to go and, think about it and try to understand what the problem is that the feedback is trying to solve. And with that, then understand, is this how I would solve it? Or uh, do I have other ideas as well? Um, Because more often than not, um, whether it's with a kind of group like this, or it's a one-on-one, just me and the client, um, I will make those changes. Well, actually, no, before I even make those changes, just start asking questions Mm -hmm. to figure out what is it that you're trying to solve with making this sky blue. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if the answer is, well, like we can't see this, then I will say, sure, then I can change the sky to blue. What I can also do is, and then list or do Mm -hmm. three other things, um, which would maybe be how I would uh, fix the problem. Um, Because no one is, and I think this is also a big hurdle for me and I think for creatives in general, I don't think anyone's ever trying to make work less great like i think everyone's always kind of offering feedback to get Mm -hmm. the best possible results out of the artist it's just that uh maybe the way they would approach it and the way you would approach it are different and if that's not aligned that's where (laughs) the emotions uh arise so that's kind of been my big thing i don't know if that's i mean so jared what uh thoughts uh i know you work with (laughs) in a similar space uh how have you found experiences like this well i think it's like exactly like you said like it's a mix of everything i mean it I think my gut reaction initially is maybe you get a little bent out of shape, right? You think like, <laughs> like hey, you asked me to do this thing. You said do what I wanted to do. And now you're giving me notes. It seems counterproductive to what the goal was, right? And, right. and so I think the worst part of it for me is when I'm when I switch over to guessing what the client wants as opposed to doing something more intuitive, it, 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 it switches the process of, of sort of how I'm tackling the job, I think. And, and that might be the hardest part. But I think it's really just in time. Um, I, I certainly get to a point where I'm like, I just want to wrap this thing up. Fine. You want Fair. the sky purple? The sky <laughs> is purple. Are we done? You yeah. know, like, because I don't sometimes sometimes people are receptive to it. But a lot of time, you know, these things are done by committee. And it's like, 
they couldn't decide. So it's like we took a vote and, and three people voted for an orange sky. So that's why it's orange. That's a that's a terrible way to do it. But I think mm-hmm. right. a lot of decisions get get made that way. And, and it's hard to battle that. So I think it is just sort of pick your battles, like, you know, like try to be as smart as you can about when you push back and when you don't. But I think that just comes in time and like doing this over and over again. Uh, yeah, completely agree. I think so to all of that, I would also say what helps me is personal projects. Um, I mm-hmm. know it's maybe not an easy answer, uh, but I think if I'm working on something that I have right. complete control over at the same time that someone else is giving me feedback, um, then I tend to be more like I, I just recognize about myself that I tend to be more open to it mm-hmm. because I'm getting, uh, creatively satisfied elsewhere yeah um, or i'm able to say oh i just did this thing over here on my own that i can now bring to so- hopefully solve the problem so yeah. it's twofold um so yeah. yeah that's been my big hurdle i think as i the more i've done this too you, you start getting a sense of these things earlier and earlier in the process so you can have like an early phone call and already be like uh-oh <laughs> i, I, yep. I, I kind of know where this is going or it's like you can tell from the the tone of their voice if you're going to get paid on time i don't know it's just after a while you start (laughs) you can start hearing things and in the way they're phrasing things even about what it's going to be like to move forward but like mark you're sort of on the other side of this how do how do you how would you as an art director on a project deal with pushback from an artist do you feel like they should do you ask for multiple solutions or do you think i i told you to do this so-and-so said we need to make this blue so make it blue um it's difficult because yeah i'm definitely aware when you ask an artist to do something like they'll do it to the best of their ability and when you have revisions it's like i don't know i feel like they might think that you know they didn't do it right or it's my fault for not asking for something more specific the first time around Mm -hmm. and there's always egos involved too so it's it's difficult to you know not hurt the artist's feelings and still get them to arrive at the right point. So whether it's, you know, my vision and what I think the project needs to look like, or if it's the client's, you know, request and whether or not I agree with it, I have to make the artist still reach that same point. I don't know if, you know, I have any really a a good answer for that. Luckily with, with Andrew, He's really receptive to feedback and kind of like he said, he would listen for whatever the ask is and try and come up with a solution. So instead of, you know, just going and doing, if I have request X, you know, he'll just do it. He'll kind of think of the best way to arrive at that point. Mm. So it's more collaborative instead of just me saying, okay, hey, do this. It's more like, all right, let's figure out together how we can accomplish this this edit. So yeah, and hopefully not to go back to too much of what I was saying before. Uh, and I don't know what it's like with other artists, but I think we had uh, like after every ask or or kind of round of revision, there are usually two or three emails or even a quick call of question and answer before I would even get started and mm. change the artwork. Um, because I also find it's quicker for me to better understand where you and the licensor and everybody is coming from before making changes than making a change and then you emailing to say well 
not quite and then try something else and then I do it again (laughs) (laughs) and then like it just it's it's not what I like as a process and I'm sure uh, or hopefully what I assume is that it's not ideal for your side of things either yeah well I mean the most ideal thing is I just say hey Andrew make some Spider-Man art and then it's approved (laughs) (laughs) well I always think people are very good at reacting to things they're sort of terrible at coming up with solutions like They'd rather see yeah. five different versions and be like, no, 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 uh, as opposed to saying, like, yeah. try this. But uh, like, so, Andrew, you you teach um, like, is this something that you cover with your students ever like like dealing with this kind of direction as opposed to just doing something on your own? Yeah, and I think yes, because I I become the uh, <laughs> I take the role of Mark and then I am giving them feedback and direction. Um, but it tends to be the rev- not the reverse, but I guess where I as the artist am always asking, what problem are we trying to solve? Mm-hmm. Um, as the art director, I then when the students are showing me their mood boards or their concepts. I'm still asking them, okay, what problem are you trying to solve? Like, why are you making these decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, maybe I'm not as flexible as I think I am because I'm just <laughs> doing the same thing in any role. But uh, yes, I, I think these these kind of points of view have been honed or refined through through teaching as well and seeing seeing what an artist is from the art director's point of view. Uh, are you teaching right now? Are, are you out for the summer? Or, or do you uh, Yes. In the summer, yeah, in the summer I'm off. Uh, and by off, I mean like working on lesson plans and, and uh, living my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm, ac- I'm going to leave for a second. Um, but Jared, I want to ask you a question before I oh, go. Okay. This is um, odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you ask Andrew what the most difficult thing was working with me on this Spider-Man project? Oh, oh I see. Oh, I so see. you're gonna you're gonna step away. Okay, okay. We will do that. So all right. So go ahead. So Andrew, Mark's a total jerk. I know that from working with him. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> how was it working with Mark on this project? Though was it was it difficult? Was it what you thought? You had done a few things with him before, so this isn't like out of yep. the blue. But uh, how did it go for the Spider-Man glass? No, I think, it, and this is going to sound like it was rehearsed mm-hmm. or that uh, <laughs> there's video going that Mark is giving me the thumbs up. Um, no, it was, it was great. Uh, and But I think it's it's really a testament to, like, admittedly, because I've worked with licensed properties or licensed collaborations like this before, I kind of knew what to expect. Like, there were a lot of revisions um, in making sure that details that are very important to um, the people close to the property care about um what am i trying to say those details that are important to them aren't necessarily important to me um Mm -hmm. through stylizing or through what i think is the focus of a character and and because of that i think i was as prepared as possible for this project yeah so making sure that the black stripes on spider-man's uh costume are in the right spot um to me because of the abstraction of his limbs in general wasn't as crucial to me mm-hmm. um but i understand where they're coming from so and not that that was specifically a problem but those sorts of things i think would be uh what some people or if i wasn't prepared would uh, bother me um but mark was great with feedback like i said was always open to talk so the, it, was, it was great from my perspective or at least from what i needed as an artist yeah well he was kind of uh, it's a bit of a middleman position because he's getting notes from from other places and, and and such so it's like he's 
kind of stuck in the middle there. But how how was it with like you beautifully stylize so much of your work and especially when it's something familiar like this? How were they receiving that stylization? Was there a lot of sort of back and forth on that aspect or were you pretty much allowed to do your style? Um, So I think and this is maybe also me, too. I've kind of found or in experience, I've, I've kind of gotten a sense of how far I can stylize before they request to pull back. Mm-hmm. So I usually don't stray too far past that just to kind of save everyone time. Um, the small details that I do put in to, to kind of test the waters are usually those rough edges that get buffed out in the early stages. Um, so that also gives me a good sense, like what you're saying with knowing from a phone call, how open they're going to be mm-hmm. by, by just getting feedback off of very loose pencil sketches. I already know how, how far I can, push Mm -hmm. um so there there wasn't a lot of resistance to that if anything i think the big thing was finding the concept uh so peek behind the curtain there were a couple different ideas that we had before we got to these glasses okay and uh i think that was where there's the most deviation so the stylistic representation of the characters was pretty consistent but what they were doing or how we communicated the themes of the story varied more mm. uh, in in the concept. So that is where there's the biggest back and forth was what are we doing with them? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and Mark was great about that. Like, like you said, middleman. Uh, so handled that well. Like I think at least from my perspective, it sounded like I was being heard uh, and that he was communicating my thoughts to the client uh and was also doing the same for them to me yeah well okay I'm okay back, good. well i was just gonna <laughs> say like it was an interesting selection to to pick you and i'm glad he did because it brings a different element to it than i think what uh most people might think would be on a spider-man glass and that's the only reason why i would buy something like that is because it does look different than everything else that's out there or it doesn't look generic or like it was just some uh, you know clip art from the studio that was plastered onto something right. so um oh before we wrap i have up, one do you guys have anything? i have one question that Jared? just came through uh, on the slack channel from our good friend i am daniel clark he wanted to know if uh let me read this is bacon <laughs> here called american bacon or is it just called actual bacon <laughs> That's a, that's a oh. Canadian bacon question. Yeah, no, uh, Canadian bacon is still a specific bacon here. Uh, and I guess, well, wait, do you call it American bacon? Let's, let's no. really break this down. Okay, so I think we use the same terms for the same bacons. Okay, that's good. To, I, I, I feel so go. bad that every time you are on, like, even the M of what, it turns into this Canada joke fest. Canadian. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I love being the exotic other. <laughs> Um, as a as a uh, as a white man it's a rare opportunity <laughs> um so i like this chance to f- feel like a slight uh novelty great well thank you oh you know what i just remembered uh and we didn't talk about this at all mm-hmm. so we're gonna have to have you come back on right. um but you have a book coming out that you can pre-order oh, oh right. i do um yeah so we'll just we'll just give a really quick plug um what's the name of the book Oh, sure. I, and kind so of its, I, yeah, its concept, I, I guess. two books coming out. Um, so I guess the easiest thing oh, to do geez, is two. just uh, type in Andrew Kolb into Amazon. Uh, and my first book will already be out and available. And then the other ones, one's a storybook, one's more of a kind of interactive experiential book. Um, yeah, I, I actually really want to get you back on to talk about mm-hmm. that because that's a really fun um fun looking project and a really interesting kind of new take on a picture book. Oh, so thanks. 
I definitely want to hear more about that project. Uh, and I have a crush on Alyssa Nasser, who I think is your contact with <laughs> yep. that project. <laughs> yeah, she's great to work with. Uh, yeah, they both come out in September. So I think uh, is a good, uh, if you're looking for something to schedule, I guess this is something we could do off the air. No, we're doing it on here. Uh, <laughs> September it's happening. is when everything's it's coming happening. out. So yeah, I would love to be back. Yeah. I think okay. so. Yeah, we'll definitely get you back on. Um, but if do you have anything else, Jared? Nope. Other than to say thank you for doing oh. this, Andrew. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you both for yeah, having me. And so I much. feel bad because I didn't get the chance to ask for your origin story. As much as we're talking about comic book movies, I want to hear oh, what yeah. your first film would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're... Well, you'll have to wait around or start listening to the episodes to get the insider scoop on that. But I want what I want to know is who you would cast as yourselves in your Marvel Cinematic origin story movie. Oh, oh do you do you want to answer that right now? Oh no, you know what? Cliffhanger. We'll have to. Well, yeah, there you go. So we'll pick that up, John Cho, when you when we have you back on. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Off the top I, I of my head, I get to pick yours, oh. and you get to pick mine. Well, I know who yours oh, is. Oh, you're be. picking each other's. Yeah, okay. that's not and good. And Jared, you already know who the right answer yes, is. Yes, I know who you so want me to pick. So I'm not going to pick that specific. If you have anybody else, <laughs> you're wrong. All right, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Okay, so <laughs> here we go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Mark saying goodbye. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like guys. Look out, here comes a Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey, there, there goes a Spider-Man. Wherever there's a hang-up, you'll find a Spider-Man!